Ezra chapter 9, verse number 8. And now, for a little space, grace hath been shown from the Lord our God. Aren't you glad that grace has been shown to us? Hallelujah. To leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in his holy place that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. For we were bondmen, yet our God hath not forsaken us in our bondage, but hath extended mercy unto us in the sight of the kings of Persia. Number one, to give us a reviving. Number two, to set up the house of our God. Number three, to repair the desolations thereof. And number four, to give us a wall in Judah and in Jerusalem. So many areas of titles today, but I could say rejoicing for the return. I could call it revival in bondage. But whichever works for you, hang on to it and let God bring something to you today that will be a blessing for all eternity. Would you ask the Lord to help us today? Savior, we love you and thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We ask you to touch lives and let your word live in our hearts and lives for all eternity. For your word is the principal thing in our lives. Your spirit and your word agree. And I ask you today to guide us in your perfection, we pray in the name of the Lord. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It was almost 4 o'clock when my wife and I left this place on Friday, or actually Saturday morning. And we were in here cleaning and straightening up chairs, picking up chairs. We picked up two, at least two, large garbage bags full of water bottles. People got thirsty. And I'm glad that they got thirsty for the Holy Ghost, too. Today, I'm bringing to you a lesson that may seem anticlimactic after what we have just been through. But I hope by the end of our lesson today that you will understand the burden of our heart. Passage of scripture that I have read to you has given us four points in two scriptures. Each one giving us four points. Verse 8, to leave us a remnant to escape. Number two, to give us a nail in a holy place. And number three, that our God may be lightened in our eyes. And number four, to give us a little reviving in our bondage. And then the statement was made in verse 9 that we were bondmen. And then he gave a reason for all of this, that in the sight of the kings of Persia and all that could look, he said, to give us a reviving, to set up the house of our God, and to repair the desolate places and to give us a wall in Judah and in Jerusalem. Second Chronicles chapter 36 and verse 15. And the Lord God of their fathers sent to them by his messengers, rising up betimes and sending, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God and despised his word and misused his prophets until the wrath of God arose against his people till there was no remedy. So the Bible tells us in this passage of scripture that there was a time in Babylon that the children of Israel recognized 
there was a reviving coming and there was a repairing of things to be done. But they, many of the people before they ever went to, into Babylon uh, despised the prophecies of the Lord. And they despised what God wanted to, them to be. And so God brought bondage to them. And I say to us as a people today who are so blessed, we need to be thankful for what God has blessed us with and blessed us for. He did not bless us just for us to be blessed. He blessed us with a body of believers. He blessed us with a great piece of property. He blessed us with his word. He blessed us with the Holy Ghost. And that was not just for us. That's for others. Our world is in bondage. Our world is hurting. Our world doesn't know where to turn. And certainly, if there is no voice from the pulpit and there is no voice from the pew and there is no voice from Christian peoples, uh, our world is in bondage and despair. But I believe today that there is an opportunity for one of the greatest revivals of our time to be had in the house of God. I really believe there are people that are hungry for God. They are sick and tired of the norm of our world. And they're saying we don't want to follow that path, but they don't know where to turn. So many things were said during our conference to young people about being bold in the Holy Ghost and bold in the Spirit. Not to be protesters and not to burn flags and not to break windows and not to march down the street in rebellion, but to stand up everywhere you are, that this is the church of the last day. This is the church of deliverance. This is a place where people in bondage can have a reviving and a renewal. And I thank God that we're on an upswing right now, and a great conference has inspired us to preach, to teach, and to live in the fact that God has a church in this world. Many people in other churches and areas around here are feeling the same impact. Africa is feeling a revival like never before. But I don't want revival just to happen in Africa. I want revival to happen in Bakersfield, California. And I want our church to be a vital part of that. I want us to be a lighthouse to a world, not a stumbling block and not not in our arrogance, but in the confirmation of the word of God and our services uh, that God <coughs> is among us. And there is a reviving for those uh, that are in bondage today. The scripture went on to speak about the vessels of the house of God that were taken away. When they went into Babylonish captivity, they took the treasures of the house of the Lord. They took the treasures of the king and of his princesses, uh, and they brought all of those into Babylon. Uh, they took the things of God out of the house of God and took it into Babylon, and there it dissipated and was lost uh, into antiquity. But I want to say today that there are some things that we can never afford to lose in the house of God. We have come to proclaim uh, that we are the church of the Most High God and we believe in His Word and stand upon His Word. Uh, the Bible said they burnt the house of God and break down the walls of Jerusalem uh, and burnt the palaces with fire and destroyed the goodly vessels thereof. Uh, and them that escaped, the Bible said, from the sword, they carried away to Babylon where they were servants to the king and his sons until the reign of the king of Persia. And that was all to fulfill the word of the Lord from Jeremiah who spoke about those things before it ever happened. Uh, 
He spoke of the resurrection of Israel and the return of Israel to their homeland. He was a younger man when it happened, but he said in, in three score and ten years you're going to dwell in the land of Babylon. And there were, there were some people that stayed true in the midst of their bondage and stayed true in the midst of, of confusion and controversy in the land that they went to. And I want to just say to you that Christianity may be diminishing in America by some people's account, I can say that Christianity in the church of Jesus Christ is on fire and ready for revival for our world, and we want to be ready for it. We want to be ready for a renewal. They can take things out of churches if they want to, and they can cause churches to have their divisions. One of the large denominal churches in our world is in division right now over same-sex marriage. They're dividing and conquering, but they'll never divide us nor conquer us. We are the church of Jesus Christ, and we belong to him. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Jeremiah knew that even though bondage was coming to those, uh, he said, I want to tell you uh, we're coming home. Uh, we're coming back. And so he went to his uncle's son, Hanamiel, and he said to him, I want to buy your property. The Lord has spoken to me uh, that you're going to sell me this property. And in this essence of it, it was going to be a sign to Israel that the ministry recognized uh, they were coming home. And he bought that property, he sealed the evidence, he put it in earthen vessels, uh, and he stored it away. And 70 years later, he came back and possessed that land. I just want to proclaim to you today that we are not forever here. I have an evidence seal in my spirit. It's called the Holy Ghost. The promise of his return is sealed in me, an earthen vessel. I have hope of the return of Jesus Christ to this earth again today. That is our only hope. Politicians don't give you the hope. They only trust in their own parties and their own destinies. But I have hope in Jesus Christ today. I have hope in the word of God today. I have hope beyond this world today. And I stand in the house of God today to proclaim to you that the only thing worth being a part of in our world today is not political parties and it's not politicians and it's not the highest dive in town. It's the church of Jesus Christ and you're a part of it. It's time for us to rise to the challenge of our world who is in bondage and let them know that there's a return of Jesus Christ and there is a reviving of those that are in bondage. How many of you were bound by the world? How many of you were involved with the world? How many of you were tied to things of the world that brought discomfort and discouragement to you, but you walked inside a church of Jesus Christ and found a reviving that delivered you from the bondage of the world? Oh, hallelujah. So Jeremiah bought Hanamiel's property and he told them, we're coming back. We may be leaving for a while, but we're coming back. I want to say to you today that have children that's not in church, you need to proclaim that they're coming back. We're not leaving this grounds. We're not leaving his word. We're standing firm on the authority of the Bible. We believe in the spirit of almighty God. He's in this house today. You belong to him. 
We need to rejoice in the fact that he called us out and he gave us a place. And he said, here's a wall. Here's a wall in, in this town. Here's a wall in this church. And I'm going to protect you and guide you and proclaim to the world that if they want deliverance from bondage, there is a church somewhere you can find truth in your soul. Oh, hallelujah. Aren't you glad you found God? Aren't you glad you found the church? <laughs> Jeremiah had faith in the return. And I want to proclaim to you today, I have faith in the return of our children. I have faith in the return of a world that's hungry for God. I have faith that these doors are going to be open to somebody that's hungry for Jesus Christ. And this is the place where you can be saved. After 70 years of Babylonish captivity, 42,360 Israelis returned to Jerusalem. They set up an altar. They established worship. They laid the foundation. The young people rejoiced and a lot of older people wept because it was different than the original setup. But the adversaries came. They hired counselors against them. The Bible said the counselors were there to frustrate their purpose. Can I just preach to you for a little while today? It may seem like some want to live for God when all they have for young people is entertainment. Thank God we had some entertainment. We had some fun. But every night after service, those young people were on their faces. Those young people were praying to God for revival and a continual victory in the house of God. I'm telling you, church, uh, there's nothing like it in all the world like apostolic people that believe in praying and worshiping God. You know why? We believe in the return of Jesus Christ. Uh, the world has lost a lot of things. Religion has lost a lot of things. Uh, there's a lot of religion in our world uh, that has lost a lot of, a lot of ground. Uh, but I'm here to proclaim to you uh, that we still believe in the apostolic message of Acts. Uh, the book of Acts is alive in this place, uh, and we're never going to let it die. They can't take it out of this place. Uh, they may take it out of some places, uh, but they're not going to take it out of this house. We believe in a living God. We believe in a living Christ. We believe in the power of the Spirit of God. Oh, hallelujah. I had a revelation the other day because abortion is such a hideous thing in our world today. And I say to you, if you've ever had an abortion, that you need to rejoice today if you're living for God because the Bible does say that the child is sanctified by the parents, uh, and that's a New Testament scripture. We want to believe that and trust in it. But we do not stand for abortion. But I had a revelation because some in our world are saying now that if a baby is aborted and it's alive, uh, they lay it on a table, and they discuss with the mother and the doctor whether the baby lives. But I had a real revelation the other day when I read the book of Isaiah and Isaiah proclaimed, and the Lord said, I looked on you, Israel, when you were in your blood, when your navel was not cut. And I said, live. I said, live. You know what the Lord is saying to a world today? 
I see where you are. I see the confusion of your life. I see where, where the world has led you. But I'm saying to you, there is reviving in your bondage. There is victory in your trouble. There is an overcoming spirit in your travail. I'm here to tell you that God knows how to revive a church that's not in the church. I believe there's a world out there that's getting disappointed with life and disappointed with politics and getting disappointed with religion, but not in this house. We're excited about Jesus. We're excited about the Word of God. We stand on the authority of the Word of God, and there's revival in the house. There are people receiving the Holy Ghost. I don't even know how many young people received the Holy Ghost, but several pastors said some of our young people received the Holy Ghost, but all of our young people received a reviving. Oh, hallelujah. We are the church of the last day. We might as well let our light shine as a city that's on a hill that cannot be hid. A world needs to know that Jesus is alive. Some say he's dead, but I never even read where he was sick. Now, when all these things were done, the princes came to Ezra and said, the people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the lands. They came back with revival in their mind. 42,360 of them came back. But then they came and said, they're mingling too close with the world. They have not separated themselves from the people of the land. They're doing their abominations, even of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. In other words, they were going to the world. You know why some churches don't have young people? I don't even know how many young people was in that choir Friday night. I don't even know how many numbered chairs were up here, but I'm telling you, it was more than a dozen. It was more than two dozen uh, because we believe young people are the future of this church, uh, but I believe it farther than that. They are the church of today. If we don't get this in the young people's hearts uh, and let them know that God is real, uh, our church will dry up. I say to you older saints, and I'm one of you, I'm one of the joy group. Just older youth. Wow. I got prayed for preaching already. I don't know where that came from, but thanks. And here we are, an older generation moving off the scene somewhere, sometime. Not today. But I want to see our young people on fire for God and I want to see our children that's not in church coming back through those doors. Some of our children are in the bondage of the world. Some of them have problems with drugs. Some of them have problems in politics. Some of them have trouble with money. Some of them have trouble with morality. Some of them have trouble all in our world. But I'm telling you, if we'll stay strong, 
and not start mingling with the world. I'm not talking about testifying and trying to reach them. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking we don't sit down in their dives. We don't sit down where they're controlled by the evil forces of our world. We are a testimony. They preached about it. We are a testimony to a world. It's time for us to let our light shine. Our church, our world needs a powerful church. Our world needs a Holy Ghost church. Our world needs a baptized church. Our world needs a revival in our church. Our world needs a healing power. Our world needs a delivering power. Our world needs to feel the power and the anointing of Almighty God. It's time for a younger generation to rise. It's time for an older generation to stand. We're not going to mingle with the world. We're not going to lose what we have. They're not going to take the holy vessels of the house of God out. They're not going to destroy what we have. We're standing for Jesus. And the song said, let the world go by. We're standing for Jesus and let the world go by. So hallelujah, oh, lift your hands and worship the Lord with me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Went on to say they've taken our daughters. They've taken our sons. And the holy seed has been mingled and mingling themselves with the people of those lands. Yea, the hand of the princes and rulers hath been chief in this trespass. We are the called out ones. We're called to be separate. We're called to be peculiar. We're not called to be odd nor stupid. We are called to be peculiar, which merely means that we're different than the world. We just different than the world. We think different than the world. We talk different than the world. And every once in a while, somebody comes up to some of you and says, are you a Christian? They recognize there's a spirit and an attitude about you that is different from the rest of the world. Don't ever shy away from it, but stand up and say, yes, I am a Christian. That'll do more than burning flags and tearing up buildings. If everybody in this house will stand up and be a Christian, we're not going to mingle with the world and lose what we have. Nobody's taking the Holy Ghost from this place. Nobody's taking Jesus' name, baptism from this place. Nobody's taking our halters of true repentance from us. Well, hallelujah. Well, hallelujah. I don't know how many Kleenexes was scattered around this building. It looked like the shuttle blew up and the debris kept falling. But I'm so glad to tell you, we were happy to pick up Kleenex from every pew in this church while people were weeping and crying and begging God for a revival in this last day. Church, let me just proclaim to you that God did not raise us up as a church to follow the people of our world. He raised us up to be a light and a lighthouse, a beacon of hope. There's no deliverance in programs, I'm telling you, but there is deliverance in the Holy Ghost. Programs help to a degree, and when you get to the end of that degree, you really need the Holy Ghost to carry you on. I'm here to proclaim to you that we stand firm 
in Acts chapter 2. There is a reviving for those in bondage. I read from the Living Bible, Psalms 118 and 15. This was the songs they sang, songs of joy at the news of our rescue are sung in the homes of the godly. The Message Bible says, God's my strength. He's also my song. And now, he's my salvation. Hear the triumph songs in the camp of the saved. Our worship leads us to the Word of God. Nothing takes away the Word of God. Nothing takes away from the preaching of the Word of God. But thank God for anointed singing that leads us to the place where we can sing the songs of Zion at home. Well, hallelujah. Adriana and Anthony are not in here, are they? They went to, did they go to class? Where are they? They're in discipleship. <laughs> the other evening, they were getting ready for church at home. There were new converts. They're excited about church. I know many of you listen to songs of Zion, and many of you have things playing in your house that are righteous and holy, and that's wonderful. But here's a new convert. They're at home. <clears throat> they have their music on, and it's songs of Zion. And they get to worshiping at home. Their kids are excited about coming to church. And they're worshiping God at home. And they suddenly stop and look at the clock and say, wait a minute. <laughs> we better get ready so we can get to the house of God. They came to the house of God and you watch them as they worship. I'm telling you, when you have it at home, you're going to have it in a church. But if you don't have it at home, a lot of the times the church doesn't spark it. I think we ought to have it at home and let the glory of God fill our homes. Let our worship be at home. Let our praise be at home. Let our children see our worship and praise at home. And when we come to the house of God, every visitor in the house will recognize, hey, God is in this place. We don't put on a show. We never want to be professional in everything we do. We don't want to be foolish either, but we want to be as right as we can be. But we want the Holy Ghost to anoint everything we do. We want the Holy Ghost to anoint our singing and our musician. I thank God for them. I listened all week long. Beautiful songs of Zion were sung. Musicians played with their heart. They, they, they practiced and they played and they sang. And we worshiped and sang together with them. And the Holy Ghost settled over this place. I'm telling you, there is a revival for those that are in bondage. We just have to let them know that there is a God that knows how to deliver them. Somebody shout with me. Oh, hallelujah. The hand of God is going to turn the tide. The revival of God's church is going to change our world. Our families are going to come home. Our children. Come on, church. You have to have faith before it happens. 
You have to believe it before it happens. Faith is the substance of things. Hope for the evidence of things not seen. I wonder if you could proclaim with me, we're, our children are returning. Our children are coming home. Our families are being reunited. You got to have faith. You got to believe it. Our world is going to see young people coming to this church. Over a year ago, a young lady came to our campfire up in the mountains with her young people. She prayed through the Holy Ghost. Every once in a while, her father slips in. He calls her his princess, and he's not a king. But I tell you what, he can soon worship the king of kings and the Lord of lords with his princess. The hand of God is raised in victory. The hand of God has turned the tide. It was in this environment that we find the scriptural text that I've preached to you today, that God rose up a people that believed him. I don't know the number of those that went into Babylon, but 42,360 of them came back. And they started rejoicing and built the temple and built the wall and then started mingling with the world till the prophet stood up and said, that's enough. We can't do that or we'll lose what we have again. And I'm saying to you, church, don't look at the religious world for hope. They're dividing themselves today and really don't know which direction to go. But the church of Jesus Christ in our world, and they're all over the world, 30 million in China, they say, Africa's having and an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Our country needs revival again. Hundred years ago, there was a powerful move of God. I'm saying that they mingled with the world and they started becoming political and accepting the media's approach to everything. I say to you, if you have to cut off the media, cut off the media, but stand for Jesus. Stand for Jesus. If you disagree with them, don't keep listening. They want you to believe what they're saying. But I came to say that God has sent a reviving to those that are in bondage. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Now, I could get, I started to say sidetracked, but I should say mainlined with this scripture, but I'm going to bypass it, but I want to read it to you. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. That's speaking about God who was in the spirit. God is the spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. For as much as the children were the children of God, were partakers of flesh and blood, he himself likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had power of the death that is the devil. We went for a while because media and the world kind of mocked the idea of a devil. But I want to proclaim to you that if there is a God anywhere, there's an opposition force to God. If there is good anywhere, 
evil is present. If our world is affected by anything in truth, there's always false prophets there. He said that he might destroy him that had power of death, that is the devil. I'm glad I died in 1953. I was buried in the name of Jesus in 1953. I rose from that watery grave excited about the Holy Ghost. Have you been perfect? Oh, no. But his grace, a time of grace came to me. And I walked with God. And I have to say that God has covered me. And his blood has washed me. And his word has kept me. And his spirit has inspired me. And his life has directed me. I came to tell you today, you can go through anything and survive. You can make it. Get your head up and follow the illumination of God's presence and word. And you can make it through anything. There's a reviving and a revival and a renewal. Oh, hallelujah. 15th verse of that same chapter said, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Oh, hallelujah. I state this repetitive, I know. But my grandmother was Church of England. When she was just a young girl, came with her father from England, stood in line at the port to get on the Titanic. When they shut the gate, three people ahead of them, or they were third in line, and came on another boat. She landed in Canada where my mother was born. My grandmother met a man who was of another persuasion than the Church of England. She gave up the Church of England, became a part of his life. He died in the flu of 1918. My grandmother and her two children immigrated to Bakersfield, California. She married his brother, whose wife had died in the 18 flu. They married. It's an interesting story. It wasn't long until my mother met my father, and my father said, if you'll become apostolic, I'll marry you. You see, you don't make marriages outside of truth. You don't date outside of truth. You don't mingle with the world outside of truth. You're here as a light if you ever Hide your light under a bushel. You'll never see the victory that you want to see. So he said to her emphatically, and I'm reminded of this because I went to one of my cousin's funeral who died at the age of 91 the other day, and her sister, which was my cousin also, is 94, and she's still driving her car to the chagrin of her children. <laughs> She began to talk about my father and my grandmother on the other side, my father's side, not my mother's side. Began to talk about my father's side of the family, how my grandmother in a barn in the city of Turlock, California, started teaching her children Bible studies 
the barn floor that was dirt floor. And my father, at the age of eight years, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. On both sides of my family, they came one side from one persuasion, another side from another's persuasion. But I'm here to tell you that on one side, God was able to keep my father's side, and I was a product of that. But my grandmother was under bondage so much on my mother's side that she rejected my mother for many years until my aunt received the Holy Ghost in a denominal church. It loosened up a little bit, and we became acquainted again and reunited again. And then I had a chance in a lifetime of my grandmother on my mother's side to baptize her in Jesus' name at the age of 88, and she received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So on one side, my father and his mother received the Holy Ghost. My father at the age of eight. On my mother's side, she received the Holy Ghost at the age of 18 in 1935. But my grandmother, who lived all of her life confused about life and confused about religion, she came to the knowledge of truth, who her lifetime was subject to bondage. I can tell you today, and I said all of that to tell you this, uh, it doesn't matter whether they're young or whether they're old. This church is open for revival for all ages. Uh, this church is open for revival to the young. Oh, yes, uh, we want the young to know God. We want the young to have a revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, we want the young to have a baptism of the Holy Ghost. Uh, we want them to feel the power and the anointing of Almighty God. But I came to tell you, we're not going to limit it to the young because we want the older ones to feel it too. It's time for us in the older group to go ahead and continue shouting and lifting our hands and worshiping God because when we sing the songs of Zion at home, we're bringing it to the house of God. When we're worshiping God at home, we're bringing it to the house of God. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody ought to shout with me. Somebody ought to shout with me. It's time for the church to have revival like we've never had it before. It's time for us to rise above the world and the confusion of the world. Don't take the confusion of the world and think it's gospel. Take the Bible and believe it's the gospel. Oh, hallelujah. Galatians 4 and 24. Which things are an allegory, a type, or shadow? Or, for these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar. And the other, of course, was the free woman that gendereth to freedom, I paraphrase. But I looked that word gendereth up. I had an idea just from the context of the scripture. But gendereth means to generate, to beget, to conceive. Generate, beget, 
and conceive. I read verse 24 again so you can understand it. Which things are an allegory? For these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which begets bondage, which conceives bondage, which generates bondage. I would like to preach to you for the next few moments this morning. There are some things in our world that conceives bondage. It begets bondage. Somewhere we need to understand that the beginning of life is the beginning or the conceiving of life. It may not look like destructive forces when it's in the begetting process or the conceiving process or the generating process, but it gendereth or it, 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 it's the beginning of bondage. Nowhere in the Bible does it speak against smoking, but it leads to other things. And if we destroy this temple, God will destroy us. So we lay aside smoking of all forms. We lay aside drinking of all forms. We lay aside cursing of all forms. We lay aside Hollywood of all forms because there are some things that beget other things. Our world has listened so much to movies and media that they believe everything Hollywood is saying and producing is right. But I think it's time for the church to recognize we can't mix Hollywood with our thinking. We can't think like Hollywood. Boy, it got quiet now. I was preaching till a little while ago. I was doing all right till a little while ago. There's things that gendereth to bondage. There's things that lead you to think it's all right. That's why the church has to stand up. Thank God for our ministry team. We have a bunch of young men coming up that believe this gospel. And when they come to this pulpit for word shot, they proclaim this truth. And I'm telling you, church, we cannot back away from what God has delivered us from we need to rejoice that he rescued us out of bondage and he brought us into truth. There is revival in bondage. Oh, hallelujah. There is some way that we can have victory and it's in the house of God. I must go on. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption for of whom a man is overcome. Of the same is he brought in bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus, through the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Sobering scripture in the New Testament. But I tell you, there is revival in bondage. Psalmist David wrote these words in 138 and 7. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt 
revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thy hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. He dwells with the humble, and he dwells with the contrite. He dwells with those that walk in the midst of trouble and believe that even through this, God is going to revive me. I preach for just a few moments today. If it's not your family, and it's mine. And if it's not mine, it's yours. If it's not yours, it's the neighbors you're sitting with. We're all going to go through times of struggle because the enemy has hired counselors. And there's lawyers in our society that confuse every law that is made. In the last few weeks, we've seen lawyers on both sides of the fence. And you listen to one side, they sound convincing. You listen to the other side, they're convincing. It just has brought more confusion to our world because lawyers and counselors sometimes know how to confuse things and make it fit their program and their idea. I only say to you today, take the word of God. And there's many counselors in our world that'll say, don't get involved with a church that is old-fashioned. Don't get in. <laughs> we don't need to dress with the fashions of our world. It doesn't hurt to shop at Penny's and Walmart and Target. I'm sorry I offended you. doesn't hurt to buy clothes that are normal. You don't need to have the fashions of the world. Be so caught up with the world to be what they are. It's time for us to be a light to a hungry world. Stand with me if you would. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. If you don't remember anything else I've preached today, remember that second phrase, thou will revive me. You may look at us as preachers and think, well, we never go through anything, and I'm not going to tell you what all I went through. I'm just going to tell you that I've been through hell and back. And God will revive you. The trial of your faith being more precious than gold. God will revive you. Hang on. Hold tight. The storms of life may be beneath you. But the cord that binds us to Jesus Christ will never defeat you. He will revive us. Oh, no place I'd rather be. I know 